What would you do if you weren't afraid? What would you be willing to try if you could deal with your fear? If it didn't matter what people thought about you, what would you try? These can be really powerful, powerful questions. And I think there's something in each of us, I think there's something inside of you and me that wants to get rid of the things that hold us back from fully living life. They can be doubts, worry, lack of confidence or self-esteem, but they can cause us to settle for less than we think life could be. And I would argue less than what God intends for life to be. Not just for our selfish pleasure, but to live a life, a full life, loving and serving and helping other people. And ultimately, many times what holds us back is fear. Fear is that thing that convinces us we have to play it safe. Fear can keep us from meeting friends, having conversations, and getting help. Uh, what makes fear so tricky is that fear can also be good, too. Uh, some level of fear is what has kept some of you alive, because without it, you would have jumped off of something, uh, over something, and have broken down something that would have shortened your life. Uh, some level of fear or respect for dangerous things has kept many of us from incredible pain and regret. And many of us, me included, struggle in the moment telling the difference between when our fear is helpful and when our fear is holding us back, convincing that we have to play it safe. Today we're in part two of this series called Risky Business. Uh, last week we talked about one of our responses to the situations we perceive as risky. We create comfort zones, uh, places that represent safety and security. And comfort zones can help keep us comfortable. And if we aren't careful, keeping us in those comfort zones can keep us from going where we need to go outside of those comfort zones. Uh, comfort zones can be significant to us because they can lead us to feel that life is predictable and safe. And ultimately though, they can lead us to the illusion that we're in control. And fear sort of pulls us into these comfort zones and in some way fear creates these comfort zones. And last week we said that due to the worry, doubts, lack of confidence and fear, we can begin to believe a powerful and common myth that if I risk nothing, I'll lose nothing. However, Jesus showed us through a parable that when you risk nothing, you lose everything. And one of the things that we lose is the opportunity to do, for God really, to do something in us and through us. We lose an opportunity to become who God wants us to be. So here's an important question. What are your comfort zones? What are the things, places, or people that make you feel comfortable? Uh, for those of us who follow Jesus, our unhealthy comfort zones are really any safety and security apart from steps that follow Jesus. If there's anything in your life that represents safety or security that doesn't rely on or come from God, it has the potential to become an unhealthy comfort zone for you. Uh, money, check. Material possessions, check. Another relationship, and on and on. And for all of us, whether you are a Jesus follower or not, our comfort zones can become unhealthy when we place our trust in things that do not include or rely on God. It can be that thing that we can't imagine ever giving up. The thing that we feel like we have to have to protect us or that we have to protect ourselves. Uh, the irony is that as safe and secure as those things might lead us to think we are apart from God, only God can keep us safe and secure. And in those moments when we are being stretched or pulled from our comfort zones, we have a decision to make. Will I play it safe or will I take a step? Will I stay in my comfort zone or leave my comfort zone? And it can be a terrifying step. It can be a big step. Will I take a risk? Do I trust that God has me safe and secure? Will I take advantage of the opportunity in front of me that I might not feel ready for? Today we're going to look at a story that will help us when we are getting ready to leave our comfort zones. 
but maybe we are still unsure how to actually do that. Or maybe we've left our comfort zones, but then reality hits us. Uh, the complexity and difficulty of the situation hit us. Uh, the emotions hit us. And we think about retreating or settling or, or sort of staying back in our comfort zones. And this story is recorded by Matthew, the same guy who recorded what we read last week. Now, Matthew was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus, and he was so convinced based on what he saw and what he experienced that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah that the Jews had been waiting for. Matthew was so convinced of that, that he wrote everything down so that people like you and me, who really aren't able to experience it firsthand, we would have an actual firsthand account. Now, I want to warn you that the story we're going to look at today is a little out there. It's one of those stories that involves one of those miraculous moments in Jesus' life. Now, for some of us, these miraculous moments, they, they kind of lead us to push back a little bit. Uh, and these miraculous moments make it make us really uneasy or uncomfortable because we can't imagine how they could be actually true. Now, if you find yourself pushing back on the miraculous, if that's you today, another way to think about these miraculous uh, signs are really as signs or indicators that sort of point to something really important about Jesus. Uh, whether you believe the miracle or not, what the miracle points to is the important part of the story. We'll start in Matthew chapter 14. You can follow along in the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, head to bible.com app. Once you're in the app, head to the more menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and you can find our church. We also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Uh, to set this story up though, Jesus sort of retreats to a mountainside to be alone, but the crowd follows him there. And he has compassion on the crowd and decides to serve the crowd dinner in sort of another miraculous moment that we won't get into right now. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up on the hills, into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. That Jesus would send his closest friends, the disciples, ahead of him in, in this boat to the other side of the lake. Which should have just been a short journey because many of the disciples are, are pretty experienced fishermen. With most of them growing up on the water, or around the water, or just very familiar with boats. But a major storm comes up. And this storm is what is making what should have been a short trip take much longer because of the wind and the waves. And this is where the story sort of takes that miraculous turn that maybe makes some of us uncomfortable. Verse 25. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Now think about this for a moment. They have been trying for at least several hours in the night to get across the lake. And now all of a sudden, something is happening that they didn't think could happen. This wasn't something Jesus hinted he could do. And Jesus hadn't hinted that walking on water was possible for anyone. And it's important for us to understand this situation so we can see how their response relates to us. That these followers were exhausted, tired, and worn out from fighting this storm. And then this figure come, came come across the water to them at the, in the middle of the night. And they were terrified, like we would be. And they were so afraid that they cried out, it's a ghost. Because a ghost made more sense to them than being Jesus walking on the water. And into their fear, into this risky circumstance, into that moment, Jesus spoke the first of three statements of comfort that I think could be powerful for us today. These statements from Jesus really could change everything when it comes to risk and fear. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. 
take courage. I am here. You, you may already know this, but do you know what the most frequent command from Jesus was? It doesn't have anything to do with integrity. It doesn't have anything to do with grace. It doesn't have anything to do with even love. The number one most frequent command from Jesus was fear not. Now, why would Jesus say this so often? Well, it's pretty obvious, but I'll say it anyway. Fear is the number one reason we avoid doing the thing we know we're supposed to do. Verse 27, But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Now, depending on whether you are more of a risk taker or more risk averse, you either get what Peter's saying next or you wonder, what is he thinking? Verse 28, Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Now, personally, I can't imagine saying this, or at least saying this first before anyone else. I might say it after someone else said it. Uh, we need to remember, though, that Peter isn't saying this in calm water during the day. Peter is saying this in the middle of the night with a strong wind and waves coming at him. And while this story isn't primarily about risk-taking, rather it's about primarily obedience and faith. However, what Peter does as it relates to risk is very important for us to pay attention to. Before Peter took the risk of stepping out of the boat, he wanted to make sure that Jesus wanted him to take this risk. So pause for a second. What if we did the same thing when we saw a risky step? What if we paused long enough to honestly ask God and then listen for his response? Well, apparently Jesus was okay with Peter taking this risky step because, verse 29, Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Seemingly in this moment, the laws of science and nature obeyed Jesus. The wind and the waves obeyed Jesus. And Peter obeyed Jesus and walked out on the water toward him. Now, Peter took this risky step after knowing that Jesus wanted him to do that. And Peter took this risky step to go toward Jesus, not away from him. Uh, pause again. There are times when Jesus followers try to justify taking risky steps as having faith like Peter. However, the risky steps they're taking are many times away from Jesus, not toward Jesus. Now, if this doesn't feel relatable to your level of faith, this next part might, because the story isn't over yet. Matthew, who was there, says, But when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. This is probably just moments after Peter stepped out of the boat, so he probably couldn't have gotten too far away. But maybe he's just sort of passed an arm's length from the boat where he could sort of easily jump back in. Uh, maybe he's taken a step too far out of his comfort zone. And Peter starts to notice the wind, the waves, uh, the night maybe got darker, the boat maybe seemed further away. And suddenly in this moment, Peter began to feel fear. The, the situation felt too dangerous and his mind was getting wrapped up in the circumstances. Now put yourself in Peter's sandals for a moment. You've just seen a glimpse of what Jesus is inviting you to do, to go on the journey of a lifetime that includes walking on water, but it will include some obvious risk. That's where fear can creep in. In fact, you could be scared to death, almost literally. The circumstances seem so big and consuming. And this is where many of us find ourselves feeling fear in us and all around us. And this is where the number one most frequent command from Jesus comes in. Fear not. And Jesus says this so often because, like Peter, fear is the primary reason we avoid doing most things. Now, for those of us who consider ourselves Jesus followers, fear is the primary reason we avoid doing what God wants us to do. And fear is what took Peter's eyes off of Jesus and onto the wind and the waves. 
Fear is what keeps us in our comfort zones. Fear is probably what kept 11 out of the 12 guys in the boat that night rather than taking the opportunity to walk on water. And interestingly, some of our fear comes from something that can be good, learning from other people's experiences. Instead of making the same mistakes your friends made, hopefully you learn from their mistake before you made the same mistake. And our fears don't just come from our own experiences and interpretation of our experiences. Our fears also come from other people's experiences and their interpretation of their experiences. Now, this principle isn't, isn't anything new, but I think it has slightly shifted in our modern world. Because now, with the power of the internet and a 24-hour news cycle, we can learn about someone's random experience in India or someone's unlucky experience in New Jersey and suddenly we're afraid of what happened to them. Now this knowledge, information, and the technology that brings it to us is not necessarily bad, but our response to it can be the problem and can keep us in our comfort zones and lead us to a place of fear. So what produces fear in you? What produces fear in you when you think about setting something down and leaving it behind? What produces fear in you as it relates to your kids, your family, your friends, or maybe your lack of friends? What produces fear in you about your money, your lack of money, or what to do with your money? What produces fear in you and what produces fear in me? Because fear is so powerful. Fear can sort of whisper things to us like, God's not really big enough. There's no way that God is big enough to take care of us. We're not really safe in his hands. And fear is what causes us to distort the way we think about all of life and really any risk. And interestingly, the remedy for fear is rarely more safety or security. The remedy for fear is almost always trust. You will never know if God is trustworthy if you don't trust him enough to take a risky step towards him. Which is why what Jesus does and says last is so powerful. Verse 30, But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, Peter was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? That Jesus didn't wait. Jesus immediately reached out to Peter. That the remedy for fear is almost always trust. And Jesus proved right then to Peter and continues to prove now to us to be trustworthy, especially in risky situations. Now what Jesus says here could sound like scolding, but I don't think that's what's happening here. Jesus is asking Peter, why did you doubt me when I was the one who gave you permission to get out of the boat? I was the one who told you this was a risk to take. I'm the one who told you, you could do this. Why did you doubt me? Why were you so afraid? Did you trust me? Or did you trust that the wind and the waves could hurt you? And to that point, anything that seems bigger than Jesus or is something that we trust in more than Jesus is a place where our faith still needs to grow. And in this moment, Peter feared the storm. He feared the waves more than he trusted Jesus, so he began to sink. But Jesus was right there when needed most. Jesus was right there to catch Peter when he needed him the most. And this is important because for you and for me, when we overcome our fear and take a risky step, that doesn't necessarily mean it is all going to work out for us. Actually, it's better than that because I can't tell you that every risk you think God wants you to take is going to work out. But what this story tells us is better than that. This story reminds us that if you ask God if this risk is really what you should take and you honestly think that it is, honestly, like not trying to deceive yourself and trick yourself into believing something that is not what God wants. But if you ask God if this is a risk you should take and you honestly think that it is, 
then despite the fear and no matter what happens, no matter if it works out better or worse than you thought, no matter if it doesn't work out at all really, Jesus will be right there when you need him most. Verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. All 12 of the disciples in this moment worshipped Jesus because of what they just experienced. So as we think about risk, our comfort zones, and how our fear impacts us, I want to push on some of us, uh, maybe all of us, myself included, because in some way we all love comfort. Uh, really, for most Americans, we work towards comfort, we plan for comfort, we move money around for comfort, and we do almost anything to make comfort happen. For many of us, comfort really is the goal. Now, please know that comfort isn't necessarily bad, but just like busyness, there's sort of an ambiguous line crossing from comfortable to too comfortable. And I think there's a question that will help us see if we are comfortable or too comfortable. Here's the question. Are your comfort zones a place to recuperate or are they where you live? If you spend too much time in your comfort zone, life sort of starts to get boring. Just like a kid who, who misses school several days in a row, eventually life in a comfort zone becomes boring. Uh, John Hambrick, a pastor and author, says this, if we insist on being comfortable, boredom is inevitable. And if you are feeling bored in any area of your life, but especially in your spiritual life, it might be because you are too comfortable, avoiding risks and fear. So let me ask you again, are your comfort zones a place to recuperate or are they where you live? And while we shouldn't live all of our lives in risky situations, we also shouldn't live all of our lives in our comfort zones. So as we wrap up, I want you to imagine you were in Peter's position. You see Jesus walking across the water towards you, and you think about walking across the water. But what would you do? What would you choose? Would you choose to stay in the boat in a relative comfort zone, at least compared to stepping out of the boat into a risky situation? And if you step out of the boat, you might fail. It all might go wrong. But if you stay in the boat, in your comfort zone, you miss the opportunity of a lifetime. You miss the opportunity to do something so much bigger than you could imagine. Like, do you think Peter could imagine us talking about this story 2,000 years later in Silicon Valley? No way! And what if failure is not as bad as we make it out to be? What if there's something worse than failure? What if regretting missing an opportunity that God gave us is worse than failing? If you stay in your comfort zone avoiding risk because of fear, you might miss out on the opportunity of a lifetime that God wants to use in your life to grow your faith in some huge ways. If you do not take that risky step that you think God is wanting you to take, remember, no matter what, if you're willing to take that step, that risky step, Jesus will be there, right there, with you when you need him most. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for his teaching. Thank you for the life that he lived. And thank you for the fact that we even have Matthew's account of these incredible stories. And it seems so preposterous and so strange, these miracles that you would perform. But they seem to point us to the fact that you will be right there with us no matter what, at the times when we need you most. And so, God, I pray for those who maybe doubt this whole story or aren't sure they can believe it. But, God, would you help them to know that in some way you can be there right there where you need them to be? And God, you can be there when, when they're doing something that seems challenging or risky, uncertain. 
and you can help them to take a step. Maybe it's a step of faith and that you'll meet them there. God, for the rest of us who maybe have been following you for a while and we've sort of become complacent or we've been sort of focused on comfort rather than taking the steps of faith or risk that you might want us to take, would you help us to examine that? Would you help us to be willing to step out of our comfort zones and not live in our comfort zones? But would you help us to take steps of faith that might involve risk, but know that you are right there with us when we need you? God, would you help us to take steps of faith? Would you help us to pause long enough to ask you if this is a step of faith, just like Peter, if this is a step that we should actually take? And God, would you help us to be obedient when it is a step that you want us to take, no matter what the risk might be, that we'd be willing to follow you no matter what. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.